You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe Volpe. On Instagram, he is the dot. No. No, he's not the dot anything. He's not fantasy that. dot <laughs> fantasy dot football dot analyst. Uh, but he is also known as the fantasy football analyst on Instagram. I just I just I just want to correct you real quick. Sure. Um, it's Joey Volpe. Oh, how long have how long have I been saying I've been saying Volpe for like three episodes? Have I not caught least. that? Oh, this is the first time you caught it. Maybe it's the first time you caught Maybe. it. Maybe this whole time I I didn't know how to pronounce your last name. That's hilarious. Um, I, I, I got love Farah how Siddiqui, right? That that's true, and I give you a lot. Of, <laughs> I, I, I give you a lot of credit for that one. So Joe Joe Volpe, Volpe, yes, dude. It's like such a common last name in Italy. Haven't been there, but that's what I've heard. Wow. Okay. So now I know. <laughs> hey, nice to meet you, man. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's only been nice three years, <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, and I'm over at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Um, so a lot more coaching changes, right. Uh, happening over the past week since we Just last about recorded, all of them, right. I mean, are we still waiting on anyone? We're waiting on, so every head coaching vacancy has been filled, mm-hmm. but we are still waiting on, I think it's three offensive coordinator vacancies. Seattle. Um, a, no, wait, Seattle. No, that's the dolphins. Well, we're going to talk about Seattle today. Um, mm-hmm. but the three vacancies left for the offensive coordinator positions are, the Vikings, the Dolphins, and the tight and the Titans, and all of these coordinators are expected to be the play callers for their teams. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll talk about that next week, assuming that these three positions get filled over the next seven days. Um, now, so so last week we talked about Arthur Smith as the head coach of the Falcons. Uh, he announced that he'll be the play caller for that offense. So mm-hmm. uh, he also hired Dave Ragone as their offensive coordinator. Uh, but this is really going to be Arthur Smith's offense, right? Um, which is why we don't have to talk that much about Dave Ragone today. No, not really. Um, but uh, fun fact, I, I just made a post on Arthur Smith. And did you know his father, Frederick Smith, is the founder of FedEx? I did know that. You did? Are you, well, what? You knew that? I, I did. I did know that. Uh, I, I've, listen, uh, well, listen, you're not just talking to me here. You're talking to like 10 other people. You know what I mean? So <laughs> 10, other, who, who, 10 other people who actually listen to this podcast, Joe. Oh, well, I mean, I saw the numbers Joe, from last week. <laughs> Joe Volpe. Yeah, numbers are not bad. I mean, it's better than what we thought. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm just trying to be a little humble today. Um, yeah, no, for sure, no, but, for sure. But that, 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 is, that is cool, right? And it's funny mm-hmm. because when you see like the son of anybody who is like a multi-millionaire, you know, oh, yeah. hundreds of, it's like, to see them successful in their own right and in their own calling, that's pretty cool to see. And, and and he's he just became a head coach. So like for him to kind of do his own thing, it, it must be somewhat rewarding. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna start keeping a tally of every single coach or coordinator that just is gonna use the Shanahan offense because we're at like six or seven at this point, and it's going to be it's going to be like half the NFL very soon is going to be just Shanahan influenced coaches there's Arthur Smith uh yeah Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco you get both of the floors and the Jets and the Packers you have the Falcons now oh my god dude it's, it's getting too much too much Shanahan for me 
<laughs> it's a ton. Soon the whole the whole NFL is going to be running the same damn offense. Uh, yeah. But the good thing about Arthur Smith, as you mentioned last week, you know he he's more on the creative side. You know he he makes a lot of things happen. He's more of a player oriented coach, um, as far as like you know designing around the players that he has. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, so last week we also discussed Dan Campbell as the head coach for the Lions. Uh, you know we'll get, we're going to touch on a couple of moves made on that coaching staff over the past week. Uh, in a second, uh, Anthony Lynn was hired as their offensive coordinator. Deuce Staley was hired as the assistant head coach and running backs coach. Um, as we they discussed... say with the stocks right now, DeAndre Swift to the moon. <laughs> yes, and we will touch on that for sure. Um, <laughs> we discussed Urban Meyer as Jacksonville's head coach, and it's going to be his offense, right? He did say that he did not, he does not plan on calling plays. Regardless, the concepts and schemes will be his. But, you know, Daryl Bevel, experienced offensive coordinator, he was just hired to be their offensive coordinator there. Um, he is going to be the play caller. Uh, now, do you think Daryl Bevel's tendencies will kind of rub off a little bit on this offense? Um, by that, you mean use James Robinson a lot more? Yeah, I mean, they, <laughs> they didn't run the ball a whole lot last year. I think they were actually near the bottom, if not the last team in terms of rushing attempts. So, um, yeah, definitely hoping – to see Daryl Bevel have a little more of an influence on this offense. But no matter the case, I mean, Urban's going to be right next to him. And I'm sure if he's not calling plays, he'll look for the input of their new head coach, who is when he got, um, when he got signed to, how many, how many years did Urban Meyer get signed to? Wasn't it a pretty big deal? We, like I, I, I don't or? think we know the, the do we know mm. the, the, ex, the, extent of what the possibly not. Is? I might've been thinking of another coach. Maybe it was yeah. Dan Campbell who got signed to like a six year, uh, deal or something crazy like that right i don't think urban meyer's contract has been no. leaked yet because i know whatever it is it's going to be ridiculous oh yeah um <laughs> so yeah but so by the way speaking of james robinson uh a hmm. little fun fact there he was the he was number one out of all running backs in the nfl with the highest opportunity share meaning uh the percentage of running back opportunities carries plus targets for their respective backfields. So he basically saying like, who was the, the bell cow of the bell cows? It was James Robinson last year. Thanks to the fact that Chris McCaffrey missed the entire year and Saquon yep. Barkley missed the entire year. Yep. Great points. But yeah. great points. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. But it's I thought going to be that... like, he's the son of the founder of UPS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh, okay. Way. So, so, so we spoke about Robert Sala as well as the head coach, Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator last week. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go check that out. It's a good little bit more detail on these situations. Um, and, and by the way, and I mentioned this on my Instagram, you can take advantage of the chapters feature on these podcasts app, like Apple Podcasts. It's basically like timestamps. Like if you go on YouTube and you have these timestamps for whatever you're interested in or whatever situation you're specifically interested in, or you can just listen to the whole podcast up yeah, to you. If you, if you um, want to hear us talk about pointless shit for the first five, first five minutes, you can do that every week, or you can just <laughs> choose to skip through it, whatever you want. Exactly. To. Hey man, I think the first five minutes before we get into it is always the best part. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, at least... what if what if one of these people go on like Jeopardy and then they're like, okay, who is the founder of FedEx? And then thanks to this podcast, you win a million dollars. Exactly. I'm just exactly. saying. I, I don't know anybody who's ever won a million dollars in Jeopardy, but <laughs> oh, well, I hadn't watched Jeopardy. I'm going to be honest. I hear... <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. All right. So rest in peace to Alex Trebek. I have to say that before. Oh, you yep. Otherwise, it'll be disrespectful. And Kobe, that was pretty. It was a year. Yeah, yeah, man. So I have, yeah. I have fun fact. <laughs> this is a podcast of fun facts. Um, but uh, Kobe Bryant. So I have two. I have two like pictures on my wall, and it's behind me. I, I don't want to like mess up my setup here. Yeah. But I have two like pictures or like of people, and one is Kobe Bryant. Oh. And the other one is Anthony Bourdain. Those are two guys that like had a big influence on like just how I like viewed the world and how I see a lot of things. And I, I when I look at Kobe, you know, I'm a dad of two girls, so like, you know, and his work ethic and all all of that kind of speaks to me. Um, and when I grew up playing basketball, playing basketball, watching basketball, it was yeah. Jordan when I was like a really little kid, but he retired, you know, and then it, and then it really became Kobe after that. Um, and then Anthony Bourdain was another one. So he he's just like these two guys. So you mentioned Kobe. I just wanted to talk about. 
what I have in the wall. Fun here. fact, I was in Ecuador last year when I got the news. I barely got, I, I almost didn't get the news. Like I had Wi-Fi for a second and I checked my phone. I'm like, oh, holy shit. That's awful. So that kind of ruined the vibe. So you were traveling and so was I. <laughs> I was on an airplane to Disney wow. with my daughter, with, with my with my wife and my, and my two daughters. We were wow. on, we were on the, and I was taking my daughter mm-hmm. to the bathroom. We were on the airplane and obviously I don't have internet access on the airplane. Yeah. So we were walking to the bathroom and we, when we came out of the bathroom, the stewardess looked at me and said, can you believe Kobe Bryant died? And I was like, oh my God. I mean, like when she said that, I'm like, wait, what? And she pulled out her phone. I guess she had internet access. She pulled out her phone and she showed it to me. And I was, I could not, I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy shit, man. Like, I, I couldn't believe it, man. I, and I literally went back, I bought Wi-Fi um, and I, I, I just read everything I could. It's going to be awful. Well, but imagine it's like a scheme for like you to buy Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know, right? No, I mean, listen, man, it was so hard to believe. Oh, you know, God. I had to look at it myself and like see what's going on. And I was oh, hoping that it, it wasn't real. You know, I hope I was hoping that, you know, it didn't happen. I was hoping that like, you know, it was unconfirmed. You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, so it was crazy, man. And, and that whole trip actually, like any moment I had to myself, obviously I was with my kids. So like, I didn't have that many moments, but any moment I had to myself, I was, I took out my phone and I was just reading, you know, everything I could about it. So it was, it was a, it was a surreal, surreal moment. Um, but okay. Coming back to this rest in peace, Kobe, rest uh, in peace. I might as well say rest in peace to my boy, Anthony Bourdain too. So let's, <laughs> let's just move on. Uh, let's start at the top. All right. So, uh, Nick, Nick Sirianni, he was yes. hired as the Eagles head coach. Um, he was the Colts offensive coordinator for three seasons under Frank Reich. Um, these two have ties when they were on the Chargers coaching staff too. Um, Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Uh, at that time. Uh, so he's very familiar with Frank Reich's offense. The Eagles are also very familiar with this offense. It's like, it's like all tied in together, right? The Eagles, yeah. like it's the Eagles, you know, this offense is also very similar to the Doug Peterson offense. Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles in 2016 and 2017 when Doug Peterson was the head coach. So it's like, it's all kind of like intermingled a little bit. So uh, there are a lot of ties between the three of these guys and the Eagles. Yeah, imagine how much easier it's going to be for the Eagles to trade Carson Wentz to the Colts now that Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni can like link up as head coaches. Ooh, oh, I, I like the, I, I like the speculation there. <laughs> now I do think uh, I do think Sirianni is going to come in with you know bits and pieces of this Frank Reich offense. Yeah. Um, and believe it or not, like when we think about Frank Reich's offense, we think we I don't know I I think of like two tight end sets right, but. They're actually three wide receivers set heavy, 11 personnel. You know, they, they do like a – they have like a quick and efficient passing game. Do the Eagles um, have three wide receivers? I know, exactly. Uh, but we do think a lot of that two tight end set because okay. they have multiple, you know, tight ends there that have been doing well, well, right? Like the fact that they've used Doyle and Ebron, right? This past season they used Doyle, Trey Burton, Mo Ali Cox. Oh, yeah. um, but they only went into 12 personnel or two tight ends 21% of the time. Because these tight ends were actually lining up from the slot a lot. So I looked into it. Trey Burton, he ran 70% of his routes either from the slot or out wide. And he's a tight end, but that's yeah. not a two tight end set, right? That's part of a three wide receiver set or 11 personnel. Moiley Cox, similar thing. 44% of his routes was from either the slot or out wide. Jack Doyle, he was the guy who was in line, right? He was the guy lining up on the line. Uh, so for him, it was close to 50-50 between mm-hmm. in line routes meaning coming off that tight end spot or from the slot. Um, now, do you think Zach Ertz is coming back? It seems like today, it seemed like the Eagles said that they were going to move on. That, that, that's a report, at least. Yeah, and I'm sure it's mutual, too. There's been some contract disagreements for about a year now. Um, from my understanding, they can cut him and save a lot of money. They're currently sitting at, like, negative $53 million in cap space. So they got to make some moves and um, – I'm sure their first thought is going to be to find a trade partner. And um, if they can't do that, and I think the deadline is like June or something like that, I'm sure he'll be released before that point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't imagine Zach Ertz returning to this team. So we'll see how that plays out. I can't imagine any team taking on any of any, any of a salary. You know what I mean? I mean, he had mm-hmm. a pretty bad year last year. 
he doesn't have much leverage. He's getting older. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it's very possible that he gets cut uh, to, to relieve some of that cap. There's going to be some dead money, but you know, it's better to, uh, they have no choice. <laughs> they yeah. have to relieve some of that, ca- some of that cap this year. Um, so that leaves Dallas Goddard, right? Uh, he, he was used in a very, very versatile manner in terms of running his routes in line and from the slot uh, or outside. He was about 50, 50. Um, and when you look at Indy, what they did last year, they, they targeted the tight end on 23% of targets in 2020. Um, and they had three guys, right? In 2019, before Rivers joined, they targeted the tight end at 29%. And remember, yep. they had Ebron at that time as well. 20, 2018, they were at 27% with Doyle and Ebron. So um, the Eagles, they were a, a heavy, you know, they, they used two tight end sets more than anybody in the league last year. Uh, and they targeted their tight ends at 30, 30%. And they might not have Ertz. So that means that Goddard, you know, he has a lot of appeal this year, I think. He's playing for a big contract, right? This is his last season in in that rookie contract. So uh, he's set to be a free agent after this season. So, he, you know, he has some incentive to, to do his thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the value on this offense when it comes to the tight ends, wide receivers, really depends on who's playing quarterback. But, um, you know, at the same time, Without the influence of Ertz, Goddard's value is going to skyrocket. And uh, I'm really interested to see how this affects the running backs. So as we know, um, we saw Jonathan Taylor last year as a rookie. He, his role only got larger and larger as the year went on. Naheem Hines, a guy I really liked for the Colts over the last couple of years. Uh, he's been seeing a ton of targets in this offense. So it'll be interesting to see if he implements a rotation or if he goes the Jonathan Taylor route and just makes Miles Sanders the guy. Uh, Boston Scott, a free agent, but a restricted free agent. So the chances of him leaving the team are pretty low. Um, and, and he does see the field from time to time. So this could end up being a running back by committee. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, what, what, how do you think this is going to shake out? Yeah, no, I, actually, I think you, you hit it on the nail. I think it's very important to note that this is – potentially going to be a timeshare. You know, if you look at Miles Sanders' numbers last year, um, I, I know that the quarterback play was not good, but he wasn't really effective and efficient on the passing game. It was completely opposite his rookie year. He was very efficient. Um, but in 2020, he took a, he took a big step back. Um, and his, his catch percentage was, was very low. And to, for quarterbacks to miss running backs on these little, you know, oh dump gosh. passes is, is not, uh, is not ideal. Um, but, you know, it's an open question for me right now. Uh, it is possible that we see a, a, a committee here, um, but I'm, I'm hoping he can get the three down job, but that remains to be seen. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I'll, I'll say this though. There should be opportunity either way. Mm-hmm. For Sanders, like if you look at the Colts rushing attempts over the past two seasons, they were ten, they were top ten in rushing attempts per game. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there. Shane Steichen coming over from the Chargers uh, to to be their offensive coordinator as well. Um, but it does look like Sirianni is going to be calling the plays. But you know, that offense that that Chargers offense was very revolved around the running backs, uh, uh, the running back position. Yeah, and um, interestingly enough. I mean, it's very similar to what Sirianni had to work with in Indianapolis, right? So that offensive line went at full strength. The Eagles have one of the better offensive lines in the league. A lot of people don't realize, literally, I think four of their starting offensive linemen were just out for the entire year. Um, On top of that, you look at the running backs. They have like Miles Sanders to Jonathan Taylor, Boston Scott, Naheem Hines, sure. Wide receivers, not too much there. You know, like they had a Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell was hurt. Uh, and, and Indianapolis, we saw a lot of usage of the running back, a lot of usage of the tight end, as you mentioned. And the wide receivers seemed almost like third in that priority list. So uh, I, I think it's a good fit, especially because the Eagles haven't had much in terms of wide receivers over the last couple of years. That can change if they drafted Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith with that seventh overall pick. But overall, I, th- I think it's a good fit. You know, we'll see how he does as a head coach. But um, as a coordinator, I think he fits right into this offense and what they want to do. He's got all the pieces, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, so, so moving on to the Falcons. So like I mentioned, Dave Ragone, he was hired as their offensive coordinator. And like you mentioned earlier, Arthur Smith said that he will be the one calling plays. Uh, this is Arthur Smith's offense. 
Um, so I'm not sure that Ragone makes a huge impact, at least in year one, uh, in terms of fantasy implications. Um, but, you know, just to get some background on him, he was a quarterback coach for the Bears over the mm-hmm. past three seasons. He was a okay. passing coordinator. <laughs> he was a passing game coordinator for the Bears last year. So that's not something I necessarily hang my hat on, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, but Ragone, he did work with Arthur Smith in Tennessee several years ago. Um, but that's really all there is to it's not much to really uh you know take out of that uh out of that hire yeah i i just uh i as i mentioned before i did a post on um did a post on arthur smith tonight and one of the things i found is arthur smith being interviewed and talking about a guy like derrick henry and talking about how with derrick henry there they were able to lean on him but even in that sense, they still used other running backs in rotation. I mean, we saw when it was third down, another guy came in. So depending on who the Falcons add, um, Arthur Smith said it himself, like he's fine using one, two, or three running backs in rotation for this offense. So a lot of people on the outside, they're going to see, oh, Arthur Smith, he had Derrick Henry. So whoever the running back is, they're just going to run him to the ground and that'll be that. Not necessarily, you know, it could be San Francisco, like the same, it is a very similar system or the same system to where it could be uh, Jeff Wilson, so to speak, for one week, then Raheem Mostert, then this guy, then this guy, then this guy. So I I think that's more realistic in terms of what to expect with this uh, running back group. So just wanted to add that. Yeah, I totally agree. And and we can't assume that whoever walks in is going to walk into a Derrick Henry uh, mm-hmm. workload or even like a Jerry Henry light type of workload. Yeah. Um, it, it depends who the running back is, right? Is the running back coming in? Does he have a, a three down skill set? You know what I mean? Is, is it going to be a Najee Harris or someone like that? Like who, who knows, you know, who's going to be added to this backfield, you know? Yeah. And just to add to that as well, um, I mentioned the Eagles cap situation. The Falcons are not in a great cap situation either. I believe they're also in the negative 50 or negative 30 um, range. So they're not exactly in a position to where they can buy a guy like Aaron Jones, Chris Carson, Kenyon Drake, James Conner, and Leonard Fournette. They're not really in that type of situation. And uh, unless they can move guys like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, which I don't think they're really going to be able to maybe Julio, if anything, but um, with all these free agent wide receivers, I don't think it's going to be possible. So it's most likely going to end up being a rookie in this backfield, which could only make things worse. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Moving on to the chargers. Um, so former chart, I'm sorry, not moving on to the Chargers, moving on to uh, the Lions. Uh, former Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn was hired as a Lions offensive coordinator. Former, former Eagles assistant head coach and running back coach Deuce Staley was hired as a Lions assistant head coach and running back coach. Now, when I look at these two moves, and then you consider what we talked about last week with respect to Dan Campbell, oh, yeah. and then you consider Matt Stafford most likely being traded to the 49ers, Per sources, per sources, uh, it's well, looking Patriots, like it could happen. It's gonna yeah, happen. They're in, the, they're in the fold. Come on, come on, Joe Volpe. They're come in the on, fold. Man. They got cash face. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, it, it's it's really looking like this team is going to be revolved around DeAndre Swift. All right. Let's go one by one. All right. First of all, Dan Campbell. Listen to last week's podcast about him. But basically, the Saints running backs have been known to be ridiculously involved all throughout Sean Payton's tenure, right? Campbell said he wants to run the ball. Now, Anthony Lynn's Chargers gave his running backs the second most targets in 2020, only to only to the Washington football team. And that's because Alex Smith, you know, respect to Alex Smith, but he's not throwing it further than five to 10 yards, right? It, yeah. Okay, okay, that's not nice. But, and, and it wasn't just Austin Eckler, Kalen Balaz, Justin Jackson, even Josh Kelly got their targets when they were in the game. They were running routes, right? Uh, the Chargers were top 10, in rushing attempts per game, they decided to run the ball way more than they should have based on game script, right? Uh, Anthony Lynn didn't care, and that's part of why he was fired. Now, will he change his ways? Who knows? But the identities of these two guys line up. And then you have Deuce Staley coming in, and we know that he was Miles Sanders' biggest fan coming into 2020. He said that he'll be able to handle a big workload. He was very vocal about it, and I do think that it, that impacted Sanders' role to start the year. He was All the those guy. quotes that made us buy Sanders like way too early. That was him. Hundred percent. Listen, man. I honestly think that you know there's a lot of factors into why Sanders didn't play out this 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 week this year. But when he got the opportunity, he got it done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Deuce Staley wasn't wrong there. Um, so 
so I, I do think that Deuce Daly being so vocal, I think that did impact Sanders' role to start the year. Uh, he was the guy, period. And he was also the assistant head coach, uh, you know, in Philly as well. Um, so I think that can happen here with DeAndre Swift. Since Swift has all the tools for all three downs, right, and, and with him being the assistant head coach as well, I think he's going to be a big part of that decision-making. So for me, like, this is shaping up to be a potential workhorse-type season for DeAndre Swift in his second year. Um, you then consider potentially no Galladay, no Marvin Jones. Maybe both are leaving in free agency. How many targets can Swift get? A lot. And yeah. they also talked, uh, you know, um, uh, they also talked about uh, them, uh, you know, using uh, him like a like a like a um, like a Camaro, a, a, like, a, like a Camaro almost, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, I'm 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 really excited to see what DeAndre Swift can bring in his second year. Yeah, and one of the things Dan Campbell said, which I think it was what you're kind of going into, is that uh, he wants an offensive coordinator that can get DeAndre Swift into space, which is specifically who he said and how he said it. So, I mean, he's already looking to have this offense revolve around DeAndre Swift. Uh, on Johnson, he's going to be the secondary guy behind him. Adrian Peterson is scheduled to be a free agent. Be surprised if he comes back. Um, we'll see what they do with this running back with not with this running back group, with this wide receiver group. We talked about how much we like TJ Hawkinson as well. Uh, Dan Campbell, a former tight end and a tight end coach for quite some time. So would not be surprised to see TJ Hawkinson get a huge boost, especially with all those wide receivers leaving, as we mentioned before. So yeah, just a situation to monitor. Just look at all these wide receivers. They could franchise tag Kenny Holiday. But I, I, I highly doubt that both Gallaudet and Jones will be back next year. I think it sounds like Jones already has his eyes set somewhere else. And without Stafford and a whole rebuild, Gallaudet might want to look elsewhere too, especially after that whole contract debacle to end off the year. So we'll have to see how this plays out. I really have a feeling that Gallaudet was healthy <laughs> for, for a yeah, lot of the too. season. You me know, too. like I, I think that he just, wanted, he just, he knew he was going to be a free agent and he didn't want to ruin his value. You know, oh, yeah. it was one of those things. Um, season but, was lost. They wouldn't give him an extension, so he did what he exactly. Can you can you touch on uh, your uh, sleeper wide receiver for the, for the Lions, uh, just in case uh, you know both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay leave? Yeah. So his name is Quintez Cephas. Um, I'm starting a new series this weekend on my page. Hopefully this weekend. I, try, I meant to do it last week, but we'll see. Um, we're basically diving really deep into some of these players that may not be on anyone's radar, matter of fact. So one of those guys being the wide receiver, Quintez Cephas, um, there were points where Marvin Jones was out, Kenny Galladay was out, and there really wasn't any wide receivers, and Cephas kind of stepped up. He had some long catches. Uh, I don't have the stats with me on hand at the moment, but just know he's a second-year player. They love him on the team um at least the old staff loved him but i have no issue i i really think that's going to translate into the following year as well so uh cephas if you're in dynasty this guy's either dirt cheap or even just available to bid on and uh couldn't hurt especially because we mentioned marvin jones we mentioned county kenny Aude, but we didn't even talk about danny amendola and muhammad uh, uh muhammad sanu also being free agents, which is kind of like the top four players in their depth chart. Mohamed Sanu towards the end of the year started to get a little more work. Jamal Agnew, also an undrafted free agent. It seems like all their wide receivers are just free agents this year. Cephas, at the very least, has a chance to compete for that outside wide receiver role. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something worth monitoring and worth buying into. Yeah, I agree. Um and he's a little intriguing. If you look at his stats from his rookie year last year, and by the way, he is a rookie. I mean, this is he he's was. going into his second year, but he was a rookie. Um, he was only behind Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb in in reception percentage as far as like deep passes. So 20 plus yards downfield, he caught 57% of his passes. Uh, actually, that tied with CD Lamb and only Justin Jefferson was ahead of him there. Uh, as far as his yards per route run as a rookie, uh, pretty good. Uh, 1.62, uh, 1.62 yards per route run. That's top seven. That's behind Jefferson, Claypool, Higgins, Lamb, Ayuk, Jerry Judy. So that's that's pretty good company right there. Um, right. so you know he's somebody that you know all those other guys I mentioned. Those guys are household names at this point. 
right? So, so you know, I think people should consider um, him, you know, as somebody who can do some things, especially with some target share uh, in 2021. Yeah, and look, even if it's TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift as the main benefactors of this offense, if you were to throw, I don't even know if you would need a third rounder. If you if it goes up to a fourth and fifth rounder in your rookie drafts, um, my dynasty league, we only go up to three rounds for the rookie drafts. But, I mean, just drop the lowest value round and send a trade for him. I mean, if they're paying attention, maybe you might have to throw a third, but he could end up being worth it. You know, just opportunity is going to be there. A hundred percent, man. All right, let's get back into the coaches. Uh, Joe Lombardi, he's becoming the Chargers offensive coordinator. This guy has been on Sean Payton's staff since 2000, 2007. <laughs> he briefly left for two seasons to be the Lions offensive coordinator in 2014 and 2015. He realized how shitty it was in that organization. He came right back. He was their quarterback coach for five seasons after coming back, and he was their quarterback coach five seasons before he left for a total of 10 seasons as Sean Payton's quarterback coach. So it's safe to say, I think, that he's going to install a version of Sean Payton's offense. He's going to be their play caller. Um, he already talked about revolving the offense around Justin Herbert, which I think is an obvious move. Uh, but, but hey, Anthony Lynn didn't do it, right? Oh, so yeah. there's that. There's no, that. No. Uh, but he mentioned the obvious, which is Austin Eckler and his skill set. And he did, in an interview very recently, said that he compared his skill set to Alvin Kamara, da- Darren Sproles, Reggie Bush. So these guys all go too far. Oh God. Well, listen, uh, I haven't heard it anywhere. Like I had to dig for that a little bit. So uh, it's safe to say that Eckler will continue to get a ton of targets out of the backfield. These three guys were very prolific in this offense. Uh, so, you know, I think he's a pretty safe player uh, with a ton of upside going into 2021. Uh, Keenan Allen obviously remains intriguing. Uh, so that that's kind of what stands out to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you ask a Saints fan or, as you mentioned, a Lions fan, right, because he was offensive coordinator for the Lions, about Joe Lombardi, you don't hear positive things. And it could have been his experience there. It it wasn't a great year of play calling, and that's why it didn't really last all that long. Uh, He's had a while to reflect on it. He's got a ton of weapons. Keenan Allen, as you mentioned, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert, who's looked fantastic. He broke a ton of rookie records for quarterbacks. Uh, Hunter Henry's going to be a bit of a question mark. I, I think he does end up coming back to the Chargers, but we'll see. He is scheduled to be a free agent. Um, nonetheless, don't let whatever you've heard about him in the past get in the way of jumping on the value of Austin Eckler and jumping on the value of Keenan Allen and guys like that. I mean, even on the Jaguars, James Robinson last year, as you mentioned before, got all the work and it was the worst offense in the entire league and he was a running back four. So even if you don't have faith in the coordinator itself, just know the scheme works to players' strengths. And I don't really think Justin Herbert can do any worse than he did last year. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that he has like this type of quarterback to work with, Mm-hmm. You know, it makes a difference, right? And, oh, yeah. and, and and I think that the fact that they do have weapons um, and they do have a running back who has a skill set similar to Alvin Kamara, um, at least he's good. At least we know that he's most likely going to get that work, right? So guys like that, relatively safe. You know, there's no reason to stretch it to anything else uh, with Joe, Joe Lombardi. But, you know, we can basically keep it at that. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to the Steelers, Matt Canada, He's a new offensive coordinator for them. Uh, he was just promoted. Uh, he replaced Randy, Randy Fickner. It's, it's Fickner, right? Fitch, Fitchner? Fitchner? Fitch, Randy Fitchner? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was with Big Ben as an offensive coordinator for three seasons. He was his quarterback coach for 10 seasons. Uh, we don't know what, you know, we don't know for sure whether Ben will be back this year, but indications are that he will be back. Uh, Art Rooney said that in order for him to come back, he's going to have to take a pay cut. And Ben Roethlisberger has said, you know, separately that he's willing to do what it takes to come back. Yeah. So, he, he's, specifically, he said, I understand. And I, I'm not even playing for the money. He said he doesn't even care about the money anymore. He just wants to play. Good, good. Well, there is obvious fantasy value, right, in this passing game when it comes to Deontay Johnson and, and Chase Claypool uh, with, you know, Juju most likely leaving in free agency. Uh, the question is, will this be a pass heavy offense as they have been? Uh, probably not. I think they're going to focus on the passing game, but 
they were first in pass attempts this year. Last year, Ben was hurt. They were first in pass attempts in 2018, and they were first in pass. No, I'm sorry, second in pass attempts in 2017. Um, but uh, Matt Canada. So if you don't know a, a lot about Matt Canada, he was a Steelers quarterback coach last season. Uh, now he was the offensive coordinator for a bunch of programs in college. Uh, you know, he seems like a guy who comes in. He plays to the team's strengths. He doesn't really have like a, a set system to him. Um, you know, he looks at who the players are, who uh, who they, who he's going to revolve the offense around. And that's kind of his philosophy. So when you look at this team, you see those wide receivers. You see a running game that doesn't really exist right now, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, he might be able to get something out of it uh, if he sees what these guys can do best. Um, and and James Conner is an unrestricted free agent, correct? Yep. Yeah. Benny Snell. Anthony McFarlane, those are the two remaining running backs on the roster that are worth mentioning. Jalen Samuels. Yeah, I don't know, man. No. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, remember when he was a thing? I remember like two years ago, we were coming into this into the season and people were legit arguing that Jalen Samuels was a better player, a running back than James Conner. And I'm just like, dude, like that. I get it. James Conner has his question marks, but let's not go that far. Uh, pass catching, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, now, he did have a featured running back for his one year at Wisconsin in Monte Ball, you know, and that kind of lines up with wow. Mike Tomlin's philosophies. So like he's willing to do it, which is good. Um, and who was Anthony Mark Fallon's head coach in 2018 at Maryland? Ding, ding, ding. Go for it. Yeah, you're calling me. Oh, uh, Joe Volpe. Thank you for Go saying ahead. my last name, mate. Sure. Um, I'm going <laughs> to guess Matt Canada. Uh, ding, ding, says, ding. Or who, do I say who is Matt Canada? Who is Matt Canada? That is one million dollars for you. And Jeopardy, um, first time someone. <laughs> first time ever, Joe <laughs> Volpe. Um, so yeah, and, and and between the two years that he was at Maryland, Anthony McFarland, uh, he had the better year with Canada. He averaged seven point nine yards a carry, hit a thousand yards rushing. Uh, he he's definitely the most versatile of the right. two between him and Snell. Um, and he's definitely the better playmaker. He's quicker. He's faster. Uh, he's just like, he, he can definitely hit the home run um, where Snell is kind of like a plotter. Um, so I think he's someone who a lot of people are potentially sleeping on going into this season. I think once people start finding out that Matt Canada was his head coach um, at one point, you know, might, you know, people might sway in his direction, but nobody knows who the guy is going to be in this backfield or if it's going to be one guy, if it's going to be both, we kind of don't know. Um, but we know that, you know, if, Mike Tomlin were to have that one guy, he prefers it, but we'll see. But this guy doesn't have one system. I think he tailors it based on who he has. Uh, you know, it's like he comes into offenses, into an offense, he fixes them, and then he leaves. <laughs> yeah, and being the quarterback coach, knowing Big Ben and knowing what his strengths are, um, his strengths are throwing the ball where he's comfortable. And we saw last year he went to Deontay Johnson a lot and Chase Claypool was there for the big plays. So, yeah, I think that's going to keep up. I think Deontay Johnson is going to be that top 15, top 20 value that we're all hoping for. Um, I hate to just kind of be the cap space guy because I feel like that's who I've been this whole time, but it's fine. I, I like listen, I, I I personally love it. First of all, I think that you you know every team's cap space, which is amazing, and you also have memorized – where every team is being is drafting in in the upcoming NFL draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do I do way too much research that in like pointless times like right now. I don't know who's doing. Um, regardless, Steelers are in the negative. They're around negative thirty three million cap. So another team that likely won't be buyers. Not a team that's looking to pay up for that running back position. Um, there are uh, if you look at any mock drafts. A lot of them right now have the Steelers drafting and Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. So um, if they could go that route, but if they don't end up drafting a rookie uh, running back and maybe they go offensive line because they're having people retire there. Uh, I mean, it could end up being Anthony McFarland. I, I don't think adding a free agent uh, running back is a threat because of their cap space issues and what other teams might be willing to spend on certain running backs. So I, I don't see that as an issue. And I don't think James Conner is going to be back either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so either. And even um, if he did come back, I, I think he'd still end up getting a backup role as he did towards the end of the year. Yeah. Or this would just be a mess. If he comes back, I feel like this backfield might be a mess. Um, but one area where I think that Matt Canada will improve 
on is the fact that the Steelers were dead last in play action attempts, which is absolutely crazy. Like this day and age, play action is where it's at, right? Um, 51 total play action attempts all year long, which is crazy. That's like if you look at him, does it in one game. Okay, so going to Shanahan <laughs> system, Sean McVay, the Rams had 194 play action pass attempts. They were first. Uh, but I think that's going to change uh, as far as the Steelers go. Um, one thing that we know about Matt Canada is that he, love, he loves pre-snap movements, pre-snap movements. Uh, he loves motion. He loves play action. So, And play action is great for wide receivers because it has shown to make them more efficient, create bigger plays, and, and get targeted more, you know, uh, further down the field. Uh, so that's kind of what you're looking for. So, um, it, yeah, volume plus efficiency – that's what you want. Yeah, and I think it's kind of hard to play play action when you have the worst, or at least, no, they did have the worst rushing offense in the entire NFL because it's like, oh, we're going to run over Connor. But who cares? Right. And, and don't they run like, weren't they running like a shit ton out of shotgun too? Yeah. They so were. Right? It just yeah. a mess. But yeah. as you said, Matt Canada at the very least can fix that up. And if they can, um, you know, if they can establish some sort of, consistent run game which i think is another reason to have uh, a bell cow because when anthony mcfarland came in he did well yeah i mean he came in for a few select plays here and there and he did play really well i think he ended up becoming active more and more towards the end of the season uh thanks partly because of james connor's injuries but yeah i mean mike tomlin has always said he wants to stick with one running back he does not believe in running a committee i think matt canada being in that system for so long and working with ben i think he's going to honor that so um like you said it's not impossible for them to run a committee especially if like james connor does come back but i I think the first couple games it'll be figuring out the running back room and you know you can dedicate the off season to that you can dedicate uh, preseason and st- assuming we have it, hopefully. I mean, the vaccine's already out, so we should. <laughs> but um, point being, like, you can spend some time trying to figure out that room, and then that second half push. I think that's who we're really going to see someone make a name for themselves. It could be a rookie, it could be McFarland, could be Snell. I mean, we don't know, but just keep yeah. an eye out for that. Yeah, for sure. Do you remember uh, this time last year? Um, actually, it wasn't even this time last year. This time last year, we weren't even worried about COVID. I was in, in January. Yeah, we, I was we worried about COVID. I was, I, was going, I was at the airport on the way back, and some guy coughed next to me, and I just heard about COVID. And I'm like, I don't know these international flights. I don't know where these people right. are coming from. I don't know where they're going. Me and uh, I mean, me and my girlfriend, we both bought masks, and we were like one of the first people. I, I one of the first people to wear masks. That's me. If you were wearing a mask in January, you were definitely one of the first people. Oh yeah. For sure. I mean, I, I, I international I, airport. So right, I hear you. I took. A, I, remember, I remember taking a, going on another vacation in at the end of February. I went to Miami, and we were not worried about COVID at all at that point. Um, and you're still not worried think, in Florida. I think <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. And, and when we came back, like the week after, is kind of like when this kind of started. You know what I mean? Um, on my birthday, yeah. the uh, NBA shut down. Oh, that was on your birthday. Yeah, March eleventh. I don't. I don't like the NBA. I don't like so, basketball. So, so was that the day after Rudy Gobert like touched all the microphones and camera equipment and all that? <laughs> so I think Rudy Gobert was part of the reason why the U.S. shut down. Like, if he didn't do that, I, I don't know if it would have shut down as quickly. <laughs> the whole U.S. <laughs> that's my. That's my theory. All right. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> all right. Moving on to the Seahawks. Shane Waldron, formerly the, the Rant. Rudy Gobert conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain like in my description for this podcast. It'll be all of the coaching changes plus the Rudy Gobert the COVID. Rudy Gobert COVID like conspiracy. twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so Shane Waldron, he was formerly the Rams passing game coordinator over the past three seasons. Uh, he is the Seahawks offensive coordinator now. We were it was a it was the long awaited change to yeah. this uh, coaching staff. Uh, we all to get rid of, I mean, it's been a couple seasons now where I've been putting out content talking about, I think it, like outside of the Jets, I'm a Jets fan, right? And I think this is a great time to be a Jets fan uh, in the off season. When the season starts, it's not a good time. Um, but I think the number one team and situation that I talk about is Brian Schottenheimer because I, I love Russell Wilson. I think that his talent is being wasted. Um, oh, yeah. So I, But I do think that this hire can be good. I think this is a hire that 
Russell Wilson can get behind. Um, Pete Carroll, he obviously wants to run the ball and all that. But I do think that Russell Wilson was very involved in this process. He spoke on it publicly that he wanted to be very involved in this process. Um, and, and if I were if I were the Seahawks, we saw what just happened in Houston, right? I, I'm going to let him do that. I'm going to be let him part be part of that process, right? Um, and so I've been saying that they need to revolve their offense around Russell Wilson. Uh, that's very obvious, but the Seahawks have been a run-first team, right? Seattle was 24th in the league in 2019 in terms of running the ball on fourth on first down. They were dead last in 2018. When you run on first down, your expected yards gained is significantly lower than what it would be if you passed the ball, especially if you have Russell Wilson, especially if you have Tyler Lockett, especially if you have DK Metcalf, right? And that's just what it is right now in this league, right? You have to, you got to be forward thinking, right? Um, And then we were all surprised in 2020, Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll actually let Russ cook. They were seventh in the league and passing the ball on first down in terms of percentage over the first seven weeks of the season. And that's when DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson were killing it, right? right. Um, and what did DK – I don't know if you saw that interview a couple of days ago. What did yeah. DK Metcalf just say a couple of days ago that I've been they, saying up, they up until this point? It out. That's what they said, right? He's like, they figured us out and we exactly. couldn't produce. Exactly. Teams figure them out. And that's what I was saying all season last year because I was – I had Russell Wilson on a few fantasy teams, and I was like, what the hell is going on? So I watched the film, yeah. and these guys were playing cover three. They were just like, dude, you guys are running deep every play. We, we got this, right? So teams figured them out. They were running the same damn routes over and over again. They yeah. were just running deep. And then what happened? Schottenheimer could not adjust, and he regressed to becoming run heavy again. He didn't know what to do. He went to his comfort zone, and the Seahawks ended up going down uh, to passing the ball to only 58% of their first down plays from weeks eight to week 17 end of the season at 59%. So you have Waldron coming in. I think the creativity that was lacking, you know, that was, that, that was what is needed now. Right. So I like this hire. I think Russell Wilson does as well. Right. Again, another Shanahan system, yeah. right? Dude, <laughs> too many. How many more no, but, Shanahans are we going to get? <laughs> we should just create clones of Kyle Shanahan <laughs> uh, or, or even his dad. You know what I mean? And just put him on the sideline. Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, this marries the rush game with the pass game, right? I think Pete Carroll can be happy. A little bit more efficient run game, right? It creates off of play action. I think Russell Wilson can be very good here. He's already super – He's amazing at play action, right? Especially what him and Tal Lockett has been have been able to do over the last few years. Um, so I think the way that we've seen the system scheme wide receivers open, like look at how they were scheming Brandon Ayuk open. Look at how they were scheming uh, even Debo when he was healthy. Um, when those two were out, we mentioned Richard James, right? Um, but like you know, and 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 you mentioned that that time you mentioned in that podcast too that the tight ends were out, um, but. The fact that you have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. I think Tyler Lockett can be so much more consistent in this system. Teams knew exactly what Lockett was going to do last year. He is such a good wide receiver, you know, and I'm hoping that he can be fully unlocked this year. Um, we know how him, how efficient him and Russell Wilson have been, especially in 2019. Um, but I think more play action in a better scheme can only benefit these guys. Yeah, and this kind of touches on uh, another dynasty deep dive player. Um, yeah, that's being Colby Parkinson, the, uh, Seahawks second year tight end, Greg Olson retired. He's gone. Jason Witten also retired. He's gone. So a lot of big names retiring right now. Drew Brees, potentially Phillip Rivers retired. So, ow, my elbow. <laughs> Let's see. Right. Yeah. I just, you know, that weird spot in your Regardless, um, Colby Parkinson, he's, <laughs> Jacob Hollister, also a free agent, by the way. So Greg Olson, gone. Jacob Hollister, a free agent. And Parkinson. I mean, Pete Carroll said himself, he does like Parkinson. He likes what he can do. Um, To get back onto the cap train, Seattle is $2.7 million in cap space. They currently have Chris Carson as a free agent. Uh, Carlos Hyde, also a free agent. I think they would benefit from adding a guy like Leonard Fournette. Um, I think he'd be great there as a fit if he doesn't remain in Tampa. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Seattle also doesn't have, like, a first or second round pick or maybe one second round pick. But regardless, 
there's room for Parkinson to have a role and to be the starting tight end on this team. And right now, a lot of people don't even know his name. I, I just couldn't remember if it was Steven Sullivan or Colby Parkinson, whoever the tight end was for this team. So, uh, yeah, just keep that guy in mind. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, that is a serious dive because I feel like most people don't even know who that is. Or they never even heard of him. So I, I, I do like dive. that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be interesting. I think the fact that Brian, Sch- Brian Schottenheimer is being gone, I think that's addition by subtraction. And then you add this type of scheme. Um, I, I know that Russell Wilson was involved with this hire. So the fact that he was involved, he, he's on board. Um, it, it, it gives me more confidence, too, that this offense is going to take a step forward and be more consistent. Remember, Russell Wilson – what over the past several years, I mean, when it came down to crunch time at the end of the year, this offense just shut down. It was like they, they were a shell of themselves. They couldn't get anything going. He would get sacked, you know, nonstop. Like they just, they couldn't get anything going. So they, they, listen, these defensive coordinators, they're too smart. These players are too good. They're not going to just let, uh, as good as Russell Wilson is, the scheme can only go so far, can, can only get him to go so far. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's doing his thing. Listen, he's with Andy Reid, man. Andy Reid's super creative. Um, and Andy Reid reinvents himself. It's just not what was happening in Seattle. So this is going to be an interesting situation next year. Um, I do want to mention that the Texans, they hired – sorry, I don't know why I laughed there. But Texans hired David Culley to be oh. their head coach. Listen, I'm sure David Culley is a well-respected coach. Uh, I saw a lot of p- former players and, and people like, you know, ha- get his back He's when a the whole coach from what I've when heard. The, when the entire internet was like kind of going after this hire, but uh, he was the Ravens passing game coordinator and their wide receiver coach. The Ravens didn't have much of a passing game or much uh, or a lot of production from their wide receivers. You can argue that their best wide receiver, Marquise Brown, you know, you can argue that he, re- he might have regressed in his second season. He did come on later in the season, but. He did get a screw removed from his foot going mm-hmm. from last year to this year. So you were expecting a big jump, but uh, I have no idea, uh, you know, what kind of um, impact he's going to make, especially when it comes to this offense. Yeah. I mean, Tim Kelly, their offensive coordinator who they had last year, um, they retained him. So he's going to stay with the team. I assume it's going to be some combination of what they were doing, whatever the hell they were doing. Um yeah, I mean, to hear the Ravens passing game coordinator getting a job before Eric Bieniemy just sounds like Bill O'Brien's right-hand man becoming a GM. Like, it just doesn't – it's kind of like the same vibes of where, like, why would that guy be the hire? But from what I've heard, Collie's a player's coach. And, um, you know, what Flores has done in Miami has really shown the rest of the league that if you get a player's coach like Robert Sala, he's that type of guy – um, you mentioned Arthur Smith being really personable guy. Dan Campbell is going to break your kneecaps. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's just these personable coaches. If you can make connections with these players, it motivates a team. And maybe they're hoping that's going to happen with Watson. But Watson also today formally requested a trade officially. He's not going back to the Texans. He has not spoken to the GM. He has not spoken to the head coach. He is out of there. And they're saying, what would you trade for Deshaun Watson as a Jets fan? Because I hear the current price is three first rounders and a second rounder. Thoughts? Uh, I think the Jets, if I were the Jets and and I'm hoping that, I would hope that Houston can take this package. I would trade the first, I would trade the both of the first round picks for this year. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would give up Sam Darnold as well. I would, I mean, if I'm the Jets, you could do two first rounders this year. And then a first and a second next year. Because you have the first round picks from Seattle for this year and next year. Right. So but you're basically would... trading Jamal Adams for Deshaun Watson. Right. And that's true when you look at it that way. Uh, but it's very possible that we're going to have uh, an early, relatively early first. I mean, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to come in and like get us 10 wins, right? Mm-hmm. I would assume we're still like a six or seven team, win team. Um, maybe an eight win team if we're lucky. Um, but That's you what know, I'm saying, like a first and a second next year. Right, uh, projecting it to be later than yeah. the second I, overall. I, I, I do want to move Sam Darnold because the thing is the Texans are going to have a quarterback issue, right? It's yeah. either they draft somebody who is not named Trevor Lawrence or they get someone like Sam Darnold who's only 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, would Sam Darnold as a prospect be better than the guys that are coming out right now? Maybe. You know what I mean? Um, so that's kind of what 
I he has some sort of value there. Yeah, it also goes to show like how the league views Sam Darnold because with a lot of quarterbacks like Josh Rosen, like teams are willing to give him a shot. Dwayne Haskins, teams are willing to give him a shot. Yeah. But in the eyes of most people, he's you know he he's hit a ceiling, you know, and he. Oh yeah, he no. Well, so I I totally disagree there. And, and, and the, the only reason why I disagree is not okay. because I'm a Jets fan, because I'm totally willing to get Deshaun Watson. Um, but well, I've I, seen I, I've seen reports of uh-huh. about t- what, what teams value him. And, and a lot of GMs don't think he's done. Most GMs don't think he's done at all. Um, and they're willing to give up like a second round pick for him. Um, and I think if a team is willing to give a second round pick for Sam, you know, I think that it can work out. You know what I mean? Like they're basically saying, like, OK, we're not going to give up a first, obviously, mm-hmm. because you know, he's been in the league for a few years and he hasn't shown a lot. Right. Uh, yeah. But he's shown, if you look at, if you look at his, his, um, his tape, you know, there is potential there. You know, he's, he's, he's relatively mobile. Um, like I, I always look at his potential and what he could be and he's still young. So I do think that there is some, some value there. I just don't know if that's the direction that the Texans want to move in. Um, yeah. That's and no that's issue. the thing too, because if you're trading with the jets, you're more, you're, certainly getting that second overall pick and then if you already have sam darnold are you in a situation where you just keep both these guys i mean what if sam darnold ends up being the guy then you're just in a jalen hurts carson wentz situation next year and i guess that's not an awful situation to be in but it's one of like if you spend that definitely offensive lineman or yeah i hear you i mean it's definitely deshaun watson's team right if you get deshaun watson like well i'm saying like for the texans if you trade oh, Darnold Texans, to the right. Texans and then they have that number two overall pick, oh, I see. like, you know, like for the Jets, they're not going to keep Darnold and draft a quarterback. If they're drafting a quarterback, they're going to trade away Darnold. Of course. And that that's why I don't want to have both these guys on the team. I would exactly. love to have Darnold be part of that package to the Texans. Um, yeah. But yeah, what, what, what do the Texans do? Who knows? I mean, they have a lot of holes to fill. You know what I mean? So if I were them and they're getting Sam Darnold as a package, I will keep Darnold, see what they can do with that offense, and then just just build around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so that's that's pretty much what we have today. All, I think all of the, like I mentioned, all the head coach vacancies have now been filled. There are three offensive coordinator vacancies still remaining: Dolphins, Vikings, Titans. All three of these coordinators are expected to be the play caller for their team. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, in addition to that, um, we'll be joined by 49ers insider Jason Aponte. He was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, well, he, he's actually, uh, he's getting to uh, Mobile, Alabama tonight. Um, he's getting the intel for us on some of these rookies uh, and more. So definitely looking forward to that. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about if there's any more vacancies being filled. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about all that. So um, looking forward to that, Joey. Um, anything else, bro? No, I didn't. Who, who's this guy? <laughs> so uh J- jason aponte i think you you might have met him um you know over the past um uh we, i think we might have done a couple podcasts with him um last mm-hmm. off season um but uh but he, he's you know he's a big 49ers guy uh he has you know a couple of um uh a couple of you know he he's been talking to me a lot about this matt stafford uh situation and the fact that you know, everybody in Mobile, Alabama, is are at the Senior Bowl is basically talking about the fact that this deal is done. This deal wow. is done, and the fact that um, you know Matt Stafford is most likely going to be a Fortnite. So if you can still bet on that, well, you can't because the, all the betting sites have taken that down now. So you can't wow. even bet on the fact that Stafford can be a Fortnite. But Probably. it looks like that's going to be the case. um but yeah no i mean so he's going to give us a little bit of a a preview on you know uh the 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 players who were at the senior bowl um and and all that so we'll get a little bit of an inside look to any of the the rookies that uh that are at the senior bowl because you know there's no combine this year so you know a lot of a lot of what we're looking at is you know these guys film and and their um their role in the senior bowl. And I know he's going to be rubbing shoulders with uh, with some GMs, with some coaches there, and also, uh, you know, with agents and all that kind of stuff. So we'll get a little intel to see, and, and we'll see, you know, what's going on with all that. So um, that's pretty much all we had. Um, you could follow uh, Joe at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. I, Faraz Siddiqui, am at Upperhand Fantasy. Uh, so go check us out on Instagram. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Hope this brings you guys some value 
And we're hoping that um, you get something out of this. So see you guys next week. Yeah, what's up, Joey? Yeah, just a quick moment from our sponsor. Uh, Robin Hood is sponsoring this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We took all the GameStop stock and, um, you know, they're helping us put the word out there. They're sorry. Um, no, they're not. So they're they uh, they were on uh, their rating on the App Store this morning was 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 4.9 before this happened okay okay i'm looking i'm i pull out my phone right now i'm looking up what the rating is on robin hood oh no it's still 4.7 but i did see i i saw i thought i saw a screenshot that their 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 ratings went down to like one point something but i guess that was a fake screenshot or something i don't know uh, but but a shit ton of people gave them bad reviews obviously and the fact that they have so many reviews and it went down from a, a 4.9 to a 4.7 so that tells you what you need to know uh but that was hilarious anyway all right guys uh we'll see you guys next week thank you guys for listening see ya see you